0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Bianca. And I'm Gianna. Well, everyone, we've got a great episode for you today. After seeing copious amounts of Bernie images from Inauguration Day, including Bernie art history memes, we thought it was time for a deep dive on art and the internet
1: really a match made in heaven, if you ask me. Art and the internet have seamlessly become a part of our daily lives, but we're going to look at how this new age of
0: digital communication is actually impacting the art world. We're ready to talk about memes, GIFs, TikToks, accidental renaissance, and more. Gianna, are you ready to art pop TikTok about it? (laughs) If we must, let's do it gianna today i saw a new music video that i thought you would really enjoy when i saw it i just thought this looks like a gianna music video and i need to know if you watched john Baptiste's new video for i need you it's so cute
1: uh of course i did it's so adorable and you know i love a
0: good dance break for my art break so it <laughs> it was really just perfect Also, I believe that the Chromatica Oreos finally dropped in the U.S. today, (laughs) And I just wanted all of the listeners to know, don't worry. I am definitely getting Chromatica Oreos because I pre-ordered three packages of them last week and they're supposed to be here on February 5th. Oh my God. How much were they for like three packages? No, it was just like the normal cost of Oreos, like a few bucks a package or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, are you paying to, like, ship them to your house? Yeah, I I mean, I paid for shipping, but it's also good because now I don't have to go to the store.
1: That's true, very true. I thought about stopping by the store on my way home from work, but then I knew I was just going to be really depressed if they didn't have them, so I just didn't do it.
0: You got to get on that pre-order. I saw it on Instagram that you could pre-order them, and I thought, well, I better do that. Well, some people are finding
1: them at their 7-Elevens, so maybe oh. I'll just take my chances with, like, a good 7-Eleven.
0: Yeah, that would be good.
1: Okay, Bianca. So, I feel like lately there have just been a lot of art-related shows that I've been meaning to stream. Currently, I've been trying to watch this glassblowing competition. What? Uh, yeah, That's it's cool. so cool, so I'm really invested in that, but I need to know what you think about Lupin so far.
0: Oh my gosh. Actually, Gianna, I just finished it before we started recording this. It's so good. It's exactly the type of content I needed. I really think that the people at Netflix heard me and saw me, and they were like, we need, we need to make this just for Bianca because it's so good it's all in french too and it takes place in paris and it's just it's also been really helpful for me to catch up on my french and i'm i'm glad to actually have a series like that that i'm really enjoying that i can listen to and and try to practice a little bit more
1: that's great i'm really happy that they're serving you some premium content and they (laughs) better because netflix is going up a dollar in price again so they better be coming through with that good french content you know
0: in our family we all kind of pick a platform and pay and like then it gets shared amongst everybody so netflix is not my platform that i pay for so i don't know why i'm complaining because i you don't don't pay for
1: anything anything. (laughs) and the only reason i'm saying that is because mom got her mail the other day and she was like a dollar what I'm, I'm taking like, care of bummer. your Disney
0: Plus, your Amazon Prime, and your Hulu, so... Thanks. Yeah, you're appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> when I make the big bucks, I'll
1: start <laughs> chipping in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it.
0: Well, Gianna, is it time for a little art news?
1: It is indeed... This week's art news is all about an ongoing story and ongoing case between the wedding dress designer Haley Page and JLM Couture. So right around this past Christmas, Haley Page Gutman released a video on Instagram announcing her resignation from the label JLM Couture, in which she was their head wedding dress designer since, I believe, 2011. Mm. The reason this resignation broke headlines was because there was a disagreement between Haley and the fashion company in which they wanted to obtain control over Haley's legal birth name and her social media accounts, and specifically Instagram. So how did all of a sudden this disagreement come about? Because Haley thought she was using her account appropriately and in good faith. uh, She's been with JLM Couture since 2011, and she has obtained the Instagram handle and the social media handle, Miss Haley Page, even before she joined on with this company. The dispute apparently started back in 2019. JLM claims that the Miss Haley Page accounts were created to promote the designer's brand, while Gutman says her social platforms were personal accounts. More specifically, it seems issues started when Haley made a TikTok account with that username, and according to JLM, she did not, quote, properly represent the Haley Page brand in her videos. On top of that, she also changed the bio of the Miss Haley Page Instagram account to read personal and creative account. I'm not too sure what the bio read before then, but Mm -hmm. that was a breach of their contract in the eyes of this company. As of now, a court has granted JLM the right to any account that bears the Haley Page name, and they have also won a temporary restraining order on her as well. This is because when... Yeah, it's really crazy. So this is because when Haley first joined the company as a designer, JLM claims that she did sign a contract granting the right of the company to trademark her name. That right extended to social media accounts, apparently. But Haley is making it well known and is keeping everyone updated on the progress of this case on her completely private Instagram account with the username all that glitter on the gram. And she lets us know that this contract stipulated no such thing in reference to her social media accounts. So because this is a complex case, I thought it would be best to take some quotes from Haley's latest video sharing her experience because this is going to bring up a couple of factors in which we are interested in as artists, makers, designers, and content creators when it comes to this idea of ownership. Quoting from her post in early January, Contrary to JLM's claims, the accounts that JLM seeks ownership of are personal and feature pictures of me, my parents, fiance, and dog, and my deeply personal thoughts and experiences. As the hundreds of examples show, JLM's sworn claim that that account was wedding gowns all the time is demonstrably false. When JLM took over the account by court order and began deceptively posting without notifying anyone it wasn't me, you all noticed the abrupt change of the content and tone and posted thousands of messages letting me know. In response to the public expression, JLM simply turned off comments on all posts damaging my account's value and relationship with its 1.1 million followers. My agreement with JLM contains no mention or provisions regarding social media accounts. In fact, JLM has always known the Instagram account was my personal account, and the filing contains several emails from JLM employees noting this. Several former JLM employees have filed sworn affidavits confirming that it was always known that I own my personal Instagram accounts. So On top of all this, just this case is really important because it holds a presence in what we have witnessed in other pop culture scenarios. One that specifically comes to mind, I'm thinking of Taylor Swift, and Haley Page has even mentioned that in some of her postings. Mm. Haley has felt compelled to fight for her right not only to have access of her accounts back, but her name back. So also the kind of bigger issue is is she is literally not able to say her full name out loud, and she is not allowed to use her birth name in any future, uh, you know, business scenarios for mm-hmm. the time being while this temporary restraining order is in place. So it's quite interesting and if you are interested in keeping up with it, please follow the account All That Glitters on the gram to keep up with her story.
0: I'm really interested in the fact that they can trademark a name and I'm wondering how that works if there's just another person named Haley Page. What happens to just another random person with that name or are there only implications for her since she used to be associated with the company
1: well so the name is trademarked so therefore if another brand wanted to come in and call their brand Haley Page they could not because that is already trademarked the interesting situation that she is in is because she used her legal name for her brand that JLM there Uh, financially backed and supported 100 percent of her business she can't legally use her name right now in any other business or professional settings and it's weird because of the restraining order my understanding is that she can't even legally like say
0: her full name out loud in public situations that's so wild i'm really glad that we're actually doing this story today it kind of came up because i just happened to be watching Hailey, used to be on the tlc show say yes to the dress and she was a designer that was carried at kleinfeld and i was watching say yes to the dress and i saw her episode and i know that gianna and i have talked about Haley page dresses before because they are very beautiful and they do give off kind of Joanne vibes. Oh my God, they oh and <laughs> they so do. But this is also really interesting to think about. Just I don't know what is happening. I don't know if the stars are aligning, but everything in my life right now is centered around money and careers. And then also this past week we had all the news erupt out of GameStop and all the hedge fund and big money and what and I think it's just really interesting to think about what big money can do for the individual and how that impacts an individual negatively and also how that in turn you know last week we talked about the art market and and how big money impacts the creator and what Mm -hmm. that does for creativity in general Right, and that is part of the reason why
1: also, I mean, not to mention just so many of her rights being stripped away for a brand that she was signed on to build at the age of 25. Like, she's so young, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it's really interesting to hear her talk about when she originally did sign that contract, there was no lawyer present or she didn't Mm -hmm. have her own lawyer come in and look at that contract, which Mm -hmm. she absolutely regrets and just, like, advises people, you know, like, always make sure you have a lawyer look over a contract before you Mm -hmm. sign it. Um, it, It's interesting. It does feel like a very, like, he said, she said situation, because we Mm -hmm. are hearing the exact opposite from each party. Right. Um, But yeah, the reason why she is speaking out so much is because, you know, this is a pattern that we see repeated over and over again, and how we see Original creators uh, just lose ownership of all their Mm -hmm. content. The other thing is, is that at least in the research that I found, the information that I was not getting was actually talking about the you know who actually owns this content on a social media platform, which is that social media account that is Instagram. That is. Right, that is Instagram, that is TikTok. So I'm just more fascinated in the logistics of how this conversation of ownership works. And I think it really just has to deal with that name and that brand Mm -hmm. that JLM has trademarked, therefore, they own that. But if Instagram wants to come in and just take all of this down, they can. That's so true, yeah. I think it's interesting that that quite hasn't been a part of the conversation. And she is also using Instagram publicly to fight the situation. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's fascinating. And I haven't noticed a lot of conversation about that aspect of this court case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. And it's kind of also something we were talking about this past week with the podcast anyway. When you're starting a small business how are small yeah how are small businesses I mean I know Haley Page maybe a, a different type of example in that she she mm-hmm. d- did have a very popular established brand but how is a small business supposed to recover from something like that how are local creatives supposed to know all of these things in advance when someone else just constantly has the upper hand it's no, infuriating
1: right. right It it's It really is wild so I definitely recommend keeping up with this this court case I think it's really interesting it's super um, it's really wonderful to see the community that has also supported Haley so if you are following that Miss Haley Page account now just be aware that she doesn't have control over that anymore Mm. and um, just kind of keep an eye on both sides of you know those Instagram platforms
0: but I was I was looking at Miss Haley Page, and I think it's still her photo. That's so the profile that's, picture.
1: That's the thing, and that's also why she is also pushing to let people know that this is not her because wow. JLM has not taken down any of that content. Like it's still her face. It's still her images. They are still using her physical being as much wow. as her designs as part of the uh-huh. brand she is Haley page and they they own her brand like they own her image it, it's kind of crazy whoa that's wild yeah so well, she's thanks, like Donna. yeah don't don't be a fool <laughs> <laughs> so bianca are we ready for today's art pop talk <laughs> I think so we are going to discuss art and its relationship to the internet talking about memes gifts and now tiktoks we have some complicated questions in front of us like are memes art question <laughs> mark how do these pictures generate communications question <laughs> mark
0: and what does it mean to speak and think in images Ooh, i love these questions And I also think it's just really cool to think about that from someone like you and I who is a visual learner and just how often I I am consuming and thinking about my surroundings as images. So I was thinking about how both personal and universal this can be. So because art is subjective and people interpret it differently, what does it mean for us as a diverse culture to communicate and to create a new language and speak through pictorials? We really started thinking about this episode, of course, because of the Bernie meme. (laughs) And I hope that you've all seen at least one by now. It really started when at the presidential inauguration, there was a one-second pan to Senator Bernie Sanders sitting in a chair, masked up, locally made recycled mittens on, arms folded, just watching the lovely ceremony take place while trying to stay warm. Well, the meme is really all thanks to author R. Eric Thomas, who photoshopped Bernie sitting across from the performance artist Marina Abramovich at her 2010 exhibition, The Artist Is Present. This was a massive show, and I will regret till the day I die that I wasn't able to be at the artist's present, where members of the public were invited to lock eyes with the artist in a face-to-face encounter. The meme went viral on Twitter with now over 25,000 likes, with a comment from the creator saying, I'm bad at Photoshop, but I like art. <laughs> So I actually first saw this because the art history babes retweeted it, and I was dying laughing. I just, I could not stop laughing. So my boyfriend loves Bernie, and I sent the image to him immediately, and he, like, he thought it was funny because it was Bernie, but he didn't understand, like, the art history joke of it because he wasn't familiar with Marina So during the inauguration, I had to try and explain a whole important exhibition and then Marina Abramovich's entire body of work and why she is vital to everything that I know and think about art. And by the time I was done trying to text all of this to him, Bernie Bernie memes were blowing up everywhere so that, you know, all fields could find a niche Bernie meme made just for them. (laughs) And of course, the art history, I mean, we're biased, but come on, the art history memes are hilarious. It's something that lends itself so well to memes, I think, because art is already a visual communicator. But before I dive into the history of memes, Gianna, I have some questions for you. One, what was your favorite Bernie meme? And do you think of these images as memes? Why or why not?
1: I honestly loved the ones we posted like <laughs> I don't know Bernie replacing the golden icon figure and the first Indiana Jones is just everything I know it is everything I- <laughs> and in the school of Athens as well uh, in that painting by Raphael just that works so well just because of the conceptual weight of it all it was yeah. just perfection <laughs> But yes, I do think this is a meme. I always learn something new when we are able to talk about our topics for the week. But when I think about what memes mean in a pop culture sense versus what I think appropriation is in an art historical sense, the Bernie meme was kind of a splice of the two. Mm. But that's also to say that most memes coincide with a very good textbook description of what appropriation in art is. So I think context is key in the art of the meme. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a, Jana. that's a really interesting point. I really hadn't even thought too much about appropriation because when I was prepping for this, actually i don't know that appropriation was really brought up that much it was very much like in addition to which is which is what appropriation can be you're right in the right context but actually now that i'm thinking about it in a bunch of the articles i read i don't i didn't read a ton about the difference between appropriation and this type of communication which kind of makes sense just because
1: like what we are trying to do here on the podcast is merge those two ideas because Uh in the world you'll find them so separated and just using different terminology Mm -hmm. even though let's just let's put your hands together
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and it's also there are a lot of issues to sort through with appropriation but it doesn't Mm -hmm. in the art world and i'm sure in many other contexts it doesn't always have to have that negative connotation that i think yeah. is very popularized for for the right reasons but mm-hmm. nevertheless
1: right but it it also can be very satirical too which uh-huh. is like what lends itself so well to the idea of the meme
0: ooh ooh okay so so what is a meme It is technically defined as an element of culture or system of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another by non-genetic means, especially imitation. The word meme was coined by the British biologist Richard Dawkins in his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. And this was an attempt to explain how ideas replicate, mutate, and evolve, which is called memetics. Meme is a word derived from the Greek word "mimeme" and "gene." So essentially, a meme is a cultural gene. According to an article written by Lindley Kep, quote. Dawkins contends that our ideas, ideals, and cultures replicate themselves, almost like a virus. They travel from person to person through imitation, sharing, and repetition. While all memes are ideas, not all ideas become memes because not all ideas are worth passing on or copying. And just because we don't have a ton of time to dig deeper into Dawkins' work, I do want to emphasize that this idea of a meme has deep roots in the scientific community. And if you're interested in the biological component and ties to information theory, we're going to link a pretty thorough article from Smithsonian Magazine that dives into the genealogical realm of memes. But to get us off on the visual road, Gianna and I are now looking at perhaps one of the first memes ever. We're looking at a mosaic from the 3rd century BCE that was uncovered by archaeologists in 2016. This mosaic is part of a a sort of triptych, I guess, a, a set of three mosaics on the floor of what may have been a wealthy family's dining room in the city of Antioch this panel depicts a laid-back skeleton relaxing, all cool with a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread and I really enjoy looking at his lifestyle (laughs) and then next to him there's text that reads something along the lines of like be cheerful enjoy your life While it can recall the idea of a memento mori, something we see a lot in the Renaissance and in Northern still life paintings, this mosaic appears to be a bit more humorous than that kind of traditional reminder of death. This might have acted as a type of meme in that it reflected a type of shared culture within the Greco-Roman city. What's interesting to me when I look at this work is that There was a PBS article I was reading wherein they called this mosaic an original YOLO. Mm -hmm. And while I understand the placement of our current understandings onto the work, it's sort of difficult for me to separate the neurological implications of memes with the digital components and references we are so used to putting onto those images now. So for me adding our YOLO on top of the skeleton makes a new contemporary meme that you might see like on Twitter today. And what's also interesting is that in the Smithsonian piece, they write that an object in itself is not a meme, but objects can be meme vehicles. So when looking at this piece, I'm trying to to separate this meme that I've already been placed on top of the skeleton, which is YOLO, but then on the other hand, did this act as a meme and information vehicle for that cultural attitude of enjoying your life while you can back in the third century BCE? So it's pretty interesting to try to work my brain cells around separating the two.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And this is what I had to brace myself for in this conversation because I knew it was going to be a, this is not a pipe situation, but it is but it isn't which is the greatest example of how art just loves to fuck with you but when you think about it it makes sense an object in itself is not a meme but objects can be meme vehicles meaning Mm. the ways in which you a lot of times collectively contextualize a moment or an object you have the power to turn it into something completely different and it can exist on its own And what's interesting about this is that tends to be this shared experience that Mm -hmm. you are not the only person who happens to kind of recontextualize these things.
0: As it's rooted in scientific theories and in learning more about Dawkins and his contemporaries, it was pretty interesting to see that connection between memes and virality. And the Smithsonian article reads that the analogy between memes and disease was inevitable. Stating that, quote, researchers studying the Internet itself as a medium, crowdsourcing, collective attention, social networking, and resource allocation, employ not only the language, but also the mathematical principles of epidemiology. So Dawkins theories of communicative virality are inherently associated with that of epidemiology, the study of diseases and viruses. Not through germs, but through our cognitive processes. While Dawkins' work clearly popularized the idea of memes as a cultural transmission, no matter the medium, he really couldn't have foreseen what memes would have become in the way that we know them today in the age of the internet. Some scholars argue there's a gap between Dawkins' book and the memes of the digital world, so there is that kind of separation of the two. For example, Professor Limor Schiffman of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem studies internet memes and argues that, quote, Digital memes are unique because they are not just a simple idea, but groups of ideas created with an awareness of each other. His definition of internet memes is digital content units with common characteristics created with awareness of each other And circulated, imitated, and transformed via the internet by many users. And then users decide what gets copied and passed on, which is where memes go viral or they get out of hand. And of course, this lends itself into a whole other discussion, which I think we can again find a lot of right now because of the, the the conversation that's happening around censorship, free speech and memes on social media platforms and Pepe the Frog, for example, who has become a memed symbol of white supremacy. As far as some of the first digital memes go, Gianna and I were looking at these old videos that at the time we didn't even know were memes, but were just things that we watched on YouTube in middle school. And I actually remember the first time the word meme was used in the context that we think about it today and it was with our older sister Adrian she was asking us about if we knew what a meme was and how we pronounced it because someone in her life i can't remember who called it a meme <laughs> and i was like well i wouldn't know like i don't know what, <laughs> i don't know what a meme is but we in a way did because we were watching all of these like strange videos on youtube but It was so funny to have our recollection of these images and sounds we kind of instantly remembered yeah it
1: all came just like tragically flooding back to me um (laughs) they also just cracked me up because Bianca I don't know about you but my fear of the internet I think comes from just not having that like abundance of access to it Mm. but my sheltered ass somehow found a way to watch (laughs) that stupid badger video on repeat (laughs)
0: How. I remember watching the badger video. So it's like, you know, badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember watching that endlessly. And then, of course, there's also the hamster dance. Here we go. and Gianna and I were talking about this last night but I think also Nyan cat is pretty yeah, sure Nyan like cat. <laughs>
1: just so on brand. It
0: Our is- life has just gone full circle <gasps> from a pop tart little cat dancing in space with rainbows. To a Pop-Tart cat dancing in space <laughs> and rainbows.
1: <laughs> Talk about your quarter-life crisis. <laughs>
0: I think I'm actually having a quarter-life crisis oh, yeah. this week. Are you, are you
1: upset because you didn't invest in
0: uh, GameStop? I'm really upset. I don't want to get into it on the podcast, but I felt really bad because I was crying last night before going to sleep. And my boyfriend was like, it's going to be fine. And I was like, no, I don't know how to invest my money.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It scares me. It scares me because it's gambling. And that's not something I feel (laughs) as though I'm in the right headspace to talk about right now. Oh, my God. So going back to (laughs) me. There's also memes I'm seeing about GameStop, but it's fine. I'm just trying to merge the gap between what we just
0: talked about and and (laughs) what we should be talking about. Bridging the gap here. So what's perfect about memes is that, again, they really do go hand in hand with art history. Darren Werschler is a professor from Concordia University, and he argues that, quote, memes are essentially 100 years of text art boiled down into your feed he believes that they are a type of everyday conceptualism Ooh, and i found this really cool artsy article that you guys have to read in it it states that quote through an ironic and playful treatment of a fragmented subject memes break down high and low culture disrupting ideas of authenticity and originality Memes should be understood as the digital descendants of artists such as Man Ray, Walker Evans, and Andy Warhol, all vanguards whose practices largely concerned informal and social disruptions. And in the article, they also have a really cool paragraph about performance art and how memes can be a type of performance art. And my mind was just blown. It was really cool. Hmm. But in it, they also show this very famous image from Man Ray, and it's an image of a woman's back with the making of an object, which is a violin. So he imposes on her body these type of lines to make an entirely new image. And this led me to think about Duchamp's image of the Mona Lisa, where he draws like a funny mustache and goatee on her very like Ross and Rachel vibes mm-hmm. when they fly to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but then actually, as I was reading the article, it goes on to reference that exact image as well as a Jenny Holzer piece, which I thought was so cool in thinking about artists who use word and image satirically to make a meme and then i was thinking gianna i don't know why i'm just really putting this together for the first time but is barbara Kruger a meme artist well she totally is she totally is oh it's so cool and this this is also like just
1: something to you know lock away from what we talked about in our last episode with merging those gaps between those words that we use highbrow art and lowbrow art and there Mm -hmm. are so many artists that are using like social media platforms and meme art as their art and it is Mm -hmm. so interesting
0: Mm -hmm. and I wonder too you're totally right in thinking about last week's episode on the art market oh my gosh should we invest in meme art should we be flipping meme art and then betting That it will be, like, highbrow art in a few years. (laughs) Bitch, if you're going to bet on anything, bet on my art. (laughs) I'm going to bet on your art. I'm going to bet on your art. But here we are talking about memes. All right. Well, don't give away all of our good ideas, all right? Yeah. Okay, guys. Like, don't
1: invest. Don't invest. I'm going to be a hedge fund (laughs) guy. Or let's all collectively (laughs) invest in something and then just, like, give a big academic (laughs) fuck you to the auction houses.
0: (laughs) Wait, okay, Art Pop Tarts, listen up. We need to start investing collectively. We need a Reddit thread. Art no, Pop Tarts, I investing. am so scared of Reddit. Absolutely not. Okay, join our Facebook group and then we can invest there and invest in quote unquote low brow, low cost art <laughs> memes. Oh boy. I am a financier now, so. Mmm, Jolo, is that you? Mm. <laughs> It is, I. <laughs> it is i okay oh my god okay <laughs> back back on track here so i also wanted to going back to the duchamp that the title in itself is also kind of like a meme and maybe it ties in also to what we we're thinking about with word and image but the title of this is like a britney spears if you seek amy situation where the pronunciation of the letters elasha okul creates a, a pun in French meaning something like she is a hot ass or Duchamp kind of said it means that she's like horny but this reminds me of the game Mad Gab that we used to play a lot to Gianna <laughs> she doesn't look
1: happy it's it's fine um although I must say going back to the if you seek Amy song I got a TikTok the other day that came up and this guy was just responding or reacting to a tweet that said, I can't believe Britney Spears got away with saying fuck me on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. like (laughs) She can get away with anything. She's a meme artist. She's a meme artist. But it is interesting that you bring up artists like Barbara Kruger because she creates works of art that do of course use text and language and that is going to relate very well to what we're talking about with memes and also Barbara is using found images and is recontextualizing the meaning of mostly advertisements to make a statement or a satiric critique. This kind of reminds me, for example, of when art history jokes started popping up all over my Snapchat and then you would see those BuzzFeed articles when you were in control of the rhetoric of a renaissance statue, for example.
0: Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about Snapchat art history. I feel like that
1: was like the OG art history Like name. classic
0: art memes? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I totally forgot about that. We'll need to link, like, a BuzzFeed article for,
1: <laughs> for that. Yeah. But it is really interesting to think about. Like, it, it, that's exactly what Barbara is doing. She is yeah, implicating her own voice and recontextualizing an image that uh-huh. already exists. That is exactly what you're doing when you put text with a pre-existing, you know, artwork.
0: mm It's funny to see art of people like Jenny and Barbara who are putting words over images to give them new meaning, specifically within that art historical realm. And that's exactly what art history meme creators and accounts are doing now. So yeah, Gianni, made a good point about Snapchat being that maybe original inspiration for these now very popularized accounts the art history babes podcast actually has an episode where they talk about memes as well so go give that a listen we'll link it it's awesome but they give a bunch of their favorite accounts and they also talk about tabloid art history which we went into a little bit with our episode with olivia and art history babes also they're really great at posting a lot of good art memes too What I quickly wanted to discuss before I move on was Nicole Tersigny's book, Men to Avoid in Art and Life. (laughs) It is described as, quote, a modern feminist gift book inspired actually by a viral Twitter thread that juxtaposes women in classical paintings with comedic contemporary captions to illustrate the mansplaining and concern trolling women have had to endure since the beginning of time. It's a really funny book. I bought it this fall. And she just takes these very beautiful paintings and transforms their meaning entirely to make them these very humorous images with really just a sentence or two, which is amazing to kind of think about. I actually first heard about that book because my printmaking professor sent it to me and
1: said, I think you need this. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I
0: think you do need it. It's great. I thoroughly enjoy it.
1: I wanted to mention the game also, What Do You mean? which is like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanities, but with pictures and pictures that have gone viral. So we have a lot of familiarity behind these images. So we think the concept behind this book meant to avoid in art and in life is just very similar to kind of you know what's a funny joke that you can make in this moment of of this image so um there are a lot of different like accessible books accounts games that are practicing these concepts
0: yeah So when we planned this episode, we, of course, had thought about emojis as well and how emojis are woven into this line of digital art and humor and how MoMA actually owns one of the first original sets of designed emojis as well. But in the interest of time and in trying to keep on a more cohesive thread of visuals, I think Gianna... We should save emojis for another episode because now I'm just thinking so much about those connections between word and image and maybe dive a little deeper into Jenny and Barb. And I also have so many thoughts on emojis and hieroglyphs and how your phone can also transform words from your text messages instantly into pictures. It's wild.
1: Yes, I agree. And that is a topic I'm particularly interested in, having worked on some programming for an exhibition where the big idea was art as a universal language. The complexity of this concept varies in how the artist uses it, of course, because it's also pretty arguable to say that art is in itself a form of language used as a way to communicate with others but if we break down the emoji, there are a lot of layers to it. It is a visual communication tool, it is a symbol, it is an abstraction of a human, and it's an abstraction of an emotion or an action. So we can really get into the symbolism with this, which will just be an awesome conversation to continue later. Yes, yeah, so at this point, I would like to start talking about gifts, the history of it, and the impact of them. Bianca I also need to know what your favorite gif is
0: oh no that's really hard my favorite gif I really like blinking guy because I think that I utilize him a lot in my everyday life but there's also (laughs) a really good gif that I love of Lady Gaga when she's dressed up as Venus and she has like the little seashell bras on and she's just like shaking her boobies everywhere and I really like it oh yeah for sure any good friends gif or lady gaga gif is always
1: welcome in my text oh, chain
0: friends gifts i i also use a lot but they're very for very specific people i send friends yeah. gifts to like you and my best friend miss elizabeth i send them to her a lot
1: yeah like if i was excited about something i know that i could send you monica shimming with a chicken head on with the little <laughs> hat turkey
0: head <laughs> the guess. turkey head yeah
1: and I also have to ask you, Bianca, how do you pronounce GIF? Do you say Jif for GIF?
0: I do not say Jif. Jif is the peanut butter brand. If you say Jif, honestly, get out because <laughs> it I don't know why it really bothers me, which is a very silly thing to be bothered about. I know I'm really sorry, but I personally say GIF. Well, it's funny that you actually mentioned that because technically
1: you are correct, both pronunciations are in the dictionary as correct just because for some reason there is like weird debate about it that isn't really that important but (laughs) it's not important but I also feel very strongly okay (laughs) but you're just gonna feel like very validated because according to the developer of the gif himself Steve Willett it is gif with a soft g and he makes this joke about people who pronounce it with like a j no like that's the peanut butter like and he makes that joke it's really funny
0: but you know peanut butter so because i really appreciate and love jif peanut butter i i love me some good peanut butter but i really don't like conflating the peanut butter with (laughs) my visual. (laughs) I would really just like to keep my experiences separate.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so what is the GIF? The digitalized GIF was created in order to solve a problem we are still dealing with today. How to display an image with also saving memory. Basically, how can we save storage space? I have like 10 million pictures on my phone and every day I get a notification that says your storage is full. His algorithm was based on the idea of compression and this new creation could be used for exchanging images between computers. GIF actually stands for graphics interchange format. So although the gift was born out of the digital era, it's also just kind of interesting to note that the concept in which we use gifts now, or even make gifts ourselves, really follow that principle of early stop motion. So in an article that I found from the Smithsonian Magazine as well, we've got a lot of them going on today, um, I found a really good block quote that stood out to me, and I think it will lead a really good discussion into the gifts in a very artful and, and social space and social context. And Bianca, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts, because I know we were talking about this earlier today, ways in which we can express our feelings so particularly through a GIF. The article states, before GIFs were dressing up the content, says Jason Epping, curator of digital media at the Museum of Moving Images, GIFs were clip art images and construction symbols, but now the GIF itself has become the destination. Part of the reason the GIF was able to withstand time is because it fit the DIY spirit of the early internet. It was a small file, it could be downloadable and stored on individual servers, and nothing really came along to replace its animation style. Like most digital media, it fills a need, but it kind of also created a need, says Kevin Zongwu, a PhD researcher at the MIT Media Lab. We all know how unwildly texting can be and how much context can be lost, especially emotional context. Once you make it visual, you have a higher bandwidth to convey nuance.
0: I really love that last line, and I think that's a really great phrase to sum up the GIF. Because I remember there were there used to be kind of conversations around text messages where you couldn't tell if someone was being sarcastic and you couldn't tell if they were being serious or th- there were other implications behind a text that were unsaid or unreadable. But with the GIF, you can, and, and to a certain extent with emojis, you can add another layer of visual communication to help get your meaning and point across in text where it may be lacking
1: going off those terms of kind of self-expression through digital media we cannot have this conversation without talking about TikTok TikTok has seemed to reach each and every kind of niche corner of the internet and social media making this kind of cross hybrid platform that shows us how we are reacting to tweets, memes, pop and arts culture and how we feel about those things. And we share Mm -hmm. that through the internet. On top of that, the platform is creating its own trends, but also building on top of these OG trends, Mm -hmm. taking a good art trend, for example, such as Accidental Renaissance. This originally started as you happen to, let's say, take a photo with very romantic or dramatic lighting, or your charcuterie board just looks so delicious that it could be, you know, a painting in a still life. And like everyone was using those hashtags, accidental renaissance. This trend has been dramatized through filters on the TikTok app now, and now is also paired with this romantic and fantastical music. So you can pose and you can create this digital dreamscape of yourself as a renaissance person. So it's so interesting. And honestly, that trend is like so cute. It is really cute. I think TikTok has become this kind of super heightened, I don't know, merging of our digital visual culture. And it is scarily addicting and fascinating to be a part of. But another big part of TikTok isn't just the visuals. It's also the audible part to it as well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's working in a lot of the same ways visual memes are functioning. So when people see an opportunity to reuse a soundbite from, you know, an original TikTok, Mm -hmm. when that sound becomes popular, then that becomes reused. It goes trending. And now when I'm texting Bianca, I might, maybe I don't want to use the gif now because all I want to say is oh, like, not me, wrong bitch, or I'm a little lost, but fair enough.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, Gianna, wow, that's a really good point. I hadn't even, now it's it's almost like a reversal, because sometimes I'll say things like that too when I'm texting and hoping that someone has heard that TikTok audio and understands the implications of the TikTok audio in my regular words wow that's really interesting before you had mentioned this part about the audio i was thinking about tiktok as what you were saying this this like supreme meme that's moving images that's capturing something that goes viral that shares a cultural attitude and what's also really interesting about some tiktoks is that those kind of like rare aesthetic TikToks, or it's like rare aesthetic of a '90s kid, or rare aesthetic of a '2000s classroom, and then something like a projector, or like an old toy you play, used to play with, or an old video game, like Pajama Sam and Putt Putt goes to the zoo and Freddy Fish. The those Ready images. Freddy the fish. Freddie Yo, fish.
1: I got so excited when people were
0: talking about that. Like, I really need to find that game. No, really but then thinking about all those other images that are becoming part of this moving meme so I had been thinking about TikToks as still a very visual medium but but a, a moving and kind of evolving meme and I also think what's interesting about the audio edition is that the the audio gets gets replicated and and that's, the audio sometimes is the current that goes through the images, wherein like a traditional digital meme, it's the image that stays current and then the text gets replicated to do something new. But then I think kind of maybe not the complete opposite is happening on TikTok, but the audio is getting repeated to create a new context with a completely different image because each person is using that audio in there to convey it you know sometimes a completely different type Mm -hmm. of joke or or information system using an audio
1: i also think tiktok has become this place where we go to archive our ridiculous and outlandish reactions to other things we see on social media Mm -hmm. like i this guy pops up on my tiktok all the time and it's literally just him reading twitter jokes and like laughing yeah. to them <laughs> do you know that guy
0: i love when people i love the tiktoks that go viral just for putting the twitter joke above their head and then yes. you know and then yes. reading the twitter joke and it's like why is this funnier on tiktok when i could just go to twitter and i then don't know see and it's, it it's
1: quite just like masterful and just like fascinating and it's just yeah. like a big dumpster fire of knowledge <laughs>
0: Honestly, i learn so many interesting things on TikTok too, though. It's hilarious. I, I can spend hours laughing on TikTok, but I'm also really learning a lot of other things that I don't know I would learn elsewhere because Gianna, like you said, I am also scared of the internet and sometimes I don't participate in those type of internet discussions, but For some reason, for me, my interaction with TikTok feels very separate from that. And I feel like I'm intaking a lot of of nice and very pleasant information.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's because we're on gay TikTok and, like, that's where it's at. Oh, yeah. For sure. But, yeah, no, for sure. TikTok is just an interesting place and... It's always a gamble to like text a quote to someone because you hope that they have also wasted their life during quarantine R- and they know what you mean. So it's a it's a
0: risky situation, but take that as you will. Wow, that was so cool, Gianna. That was a really good point. Now I'm gonna be I'm gonna go scroll in bed on TikTok.
1: The funniest TikTok I sent you last night is I'm following this,
0: <laughs> this girl who records herself uh, sleepwalking. <laughs> No, I, I love receiving <laughs> TikToks. I think that I'm unfortunately the person that sends the 36 TikToks. 36. Is this our 36th episode? Janet, this is our 36th episode.
1: Yes, Bianca. How many are there? 36. I counted them myself. That's, That's- perfect. That okay you were totally right everything in life is a great way to show yeah it's all met i've been waiting to do that tiktok and this is just a perfect opportunity for it wow i'm so happy to be in this moment with you all and share
0: this yay Aw, so sweet (laughs) (laughs) well i think this is a really fun discussion i hope that you guys enjoyed it and you maybe know a little bit more whenever you are scrolling on TikTok or you're using a gif or or a gif or looking at some cool art history memes on Instagram. So, if you are listening to this on the first Tuesday of February, I hope that you all received your APT newsletter this morning and it showed you all of the great content we have coming up for you this month. Next week, we are going to dive into a little Valentine's Day history. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about Cupid. We'll talk about Valentine's Day cards, valagrams.
1: Oh, valograms. Get ready for some cringy valogram stories. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> well, with that, I think that we will talk to you all next Tuesday. Yay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Art Pop Talk's production assistant is Audrey Kaminsky. Music and sounds by Josh Turner. Photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.